my transition from like a career in sales to working in education was like a light bulb moment for me where I I can use this skill set of talking to people, but I can truly impact someone. Each and every day across the country, there are thousands of incredible Centria technicians and clinicians providing ABA therapy to individuals with autism. And this show is about telling their stories and the stories of our tireless staff that support this powerful mission. I'm your host, Timothy Yeager, and this is the Do Wonders Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Do Wonders Podcast. We experience a first this week. Our first repeat guest, Director of Intake, Jessica Reed. She first appeared on our Standards of Care podcast, episode one, where she talked about the impact of standards of care on the intake department. But today we get to hear from her, her story, the work that they do in intake, and how, um, when presented with you know, families in need, how she leads her department to really deliver high quality service um, aligned with our mission as an organization. I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, thank you, Jessica, for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are the, our first like repeat guest. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> but for those who didn't hear our episode one, tell us a little about yourself and like, what you do at Centria and how long you've been here. Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here again. I am, I oversee our intake department and I started with Centria in just in January, um, just before <laughs> a lot of changes going on in the world. Um, and it's been so about uh, almost 10 months now. Wow. Does it feel like 10 months? No, it feels like two, but also 10 years at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. Um, so what kind of work led you to this job? So I first, um, I started my career working in sales um, and from sales transitioned very oddly to education. Um, I worked in um, not post-secondary, non-traditional education with um, programs, everything. Um, I've worked with everything from like a certificate or a trades type program up through doctoral level programs. Mm. Really working in um, like a recruiting admissions type function where um, it was really very similar to intake, um, but for education. And so the work um, that we do here at Centria, though the the mission and the, you know, the industry is different, is very much the same as the processes. Mm. Where'd you grow up? I um, born and raised in Michigan. Um, hmm. I left for about 10 years, but I grew up in the Plymouth Canton area. Okay. A Michigander. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is a new word to me, by the way. I did, I'd never heard of Michiganders until I moved to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a thing. Um, it's, you know, that and showing where you live on your hand. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually catch myself doing that now when I talk about where I'm traveling or where I'm going for the weekend. I use my hand. <laughs> So uh, tell me about your work in intake. Um, you know, what, what is the department like? Um, what are your responsibilities? What are you trying to accomplish? Sure. We are, um, we are the first point of contact for most families. So families come to us in a variety of ways. They are um, searching online for 
something about autism or ABA therapy or a um, referral from a doctor um, or directly from their payer. And families come to us typically um, with questions. um, What are the next steps? Or having had therapy previously and looking to get back into it or switch providers. And my team, um, they're tasked with navigating next steps. So their goal is to determine um, if they have a diagnosis or if they need to be referred to someone for a diagnosis, uh, what their insurance looks like, uh, if they have the benefit covered, do they have the right documentation? So very um, understanding of what needs to happen in order to move forward for therapy, but also help the individual to understand not only Centria, but ABA therapy and really have a conversation with them and help answer questions because often families are in kind of a crisis mode when they come to us having, um, you know, not knowing a next step. I spoke to a, um, an individual, she was in Arizona just, um, two weeks ago now and said that, um, her doctor made a comment that she should have her, you know, child evaluated. And she said, I have no idea what to do. So someone who is very early in the process, as opposed to someone who has a recent diagnosis or maybe has had ABA therapy. It's a very different conversation, but always comes from that place of trying to understand their situation and trying to help them get to the next step so they can have a solution for something that is, you know, very difficult to deal with um, for most families. Yeah. I can imagine as an employee in that apartment, there's like a lot of process oriented stuff, like stuff that needs like boxes that need to get checked. Mm-hmm. But there's also like, you don't want to lose like the listening and empathy part of having like listening to these families, right? Because like you said, they're coming in from all these different perspectives mm-hmm. um, in all these different states with all these different practice, like uh, laws, right? So I'm, I'm sure it's like, that's a, that's a tough thing to juggle. Yeah. And, and that's really, you know, that is what their role is, is they have to, you know, be the expert, the ever changing expert in what is needed for, you know, the very specifics, the box checking aspect of it, the the insurance, the type of insurance, the coverage um, in the world we're living in currently. If telehealth is an option, you know, for them as well, um, all of those things, but also the empathy, pay, you know, the the empathy aspect of it plays a very very large part, you know, because of you know, like I mentioned, someone in who's kind of in that they're in crisis or they have they don't know the next step that needs to happen. And being able to not just, um, and I think I said this last time, just not check a box and, you know, check here, sign here and, you know, go forward. Like that doesn't set a good stage for what ABA is and, you know, how, you know, how it can help your family. You have to really take the perspective of the family and understand their specific situation, which is different for every family in every state. So it's the technical aspect and having to you know, navigate through that, but also really at the core being someone, and that's what makes someone successful at intake, being someone who truly genuinely wants to help people have a solution. Yeah. So I would imagine that's somewhat different than your admissions roles in the past, right? To where like there's a need for a solution, but that necessarily the crisis it feeling. It very much is. And, you know, it's, it comes from a similar place because most people, especially I worked with a lot of adults and people looking for something in a non-traditional education, um, you know, especially when you're looking at, you know, 
training, maybe they were recareering or looking for a change because of a layoff, um, trying to get training to get into a different field. It usually came from a a place of, I, you know, I need to do something to help my family. I need to make this change to impact like my entire way of life. I, either they aren't happy in their current role or they are just, um, they're looking to, you know, they need to make more money. They can't support their family. Um, it is, it's still that driving force of wanting to some big life change, something that will be so impactful of how, what the trajectory is for the rest of, you know, their time. And that's the connection. And when, you know, Centria reached out to me, I really saw that in this work. I mean, Mm. in terms of like finding something that is truly going to help someone and is going to be something that changes, like how their family operates, that really is the same. Mm. What, what's your focus right now in your department? Like, what are you guys working on? What, you know, keeps you <laughs> uh, up at night? So every day we are making sure that we're reaching out to families consistently. We are making sure that we're getting families the answers that they need and that they're really focused on next steps. We've revamped many of our processes to create a better workflow, um, as well as communication with each of our fields team, because our team covers all of the different states and areas and such. Our key success is really determined by like how we're moving families through and getting them into therapy. It comes from being able to listen to them, get them to the next step in their journey. Um, So I don't know that I, it's kind of hard to say like, that's what keeps us up at night, but we have to look at each and every day of what did, what did today look like? What worked, what didn't. And then at the end of the day, what, you know, what can we do better? Listening is a hard skill. It is not a skill set that all of us have developed and being present in a moment is, is difficult. I can imagine that's something that your staff have to Mm -hmm. be able to do. Right. Um, we have a lot of demands on us, but be able to like shut those demands off and listen to a family has, Mm -hmm. these families have to feel heard. Um, our research is, is, there's some pretty interesting research out there that talks about family engagement and retention of clients being less about outcomes and more about the connection and relationship they have with the clinician and the organization. And that starts with this first phone call with intake. And I'm sure if not, you know, right away, your, your, your staff have yeah, to be able to feel that weight. Being that first point of contact and setting the tone for their interactions with Centria is so key. And it's that start of not, approaching it from a very, you know, that very technical aspect of it, but understanding how to build a relationship with someone. I've never purchased anything from someone that I didn't connect with, right? Especially not something that was a long-term process of someone you didn't trust, someone that wasn't able to answer your questions. And being able to set that tone is so key. You could very easily have someone reach out to another company, right? They can go in a different direction. There yeah. are other there are other avenues that they could have. Many times when we receive a referral, they may have received referrals to several different organizations. Having that connection and listening to what it is they're telling you is key for matching that need. You know, I told you I started my career in sales, and even that is relevant. You know, the number one thing to selling Mm -hmm. to someone is you have to listen. It's not about talking, it's about what you understand of their need. 
that's the same principle when you're working, you know, working with someone going through a process to begin therapy, or if it's education or whatever that may be, you have to understand where they're at and they need your full attention so that you can make sure that we can meet their needs. How do you coach that? Or do you coach that with your staff? Like how do you address that when you see as a deficit or, or is it something yeah, that you're looking for from the that start? You have to look for it for the start. In my experience, just as a leader, finding the balance of drive versus someone who is truly compassionate is always challenging, but uh, it's an interesting challenge because, you know, there are people who can, you know, maybe who have empathy and then those who are driven to talk to more families and quickly move people through a process and finding that combination of someone isn't, it isn't as common as, common as you would think. And um, so it's something I always look for kind of in the front end. So with this team coming into an existing team, it's something that I looked for and tried to identify in, you know, who was there. And there's such an amazing group of people that they have, like they truly, truly care about helping families move through the process. And they're very driven to achieve the goals for the organization. You know, having that unique perspective and unique trait is what's made them successful. And as we've gone through some changes and, you know, updated our processes, that's the conversation as well as maintaining that and then improving it. So the things that you look for, you know, and that I look for are how did we help that family? And did we, you know, did we check all of these technical boxes? Did we get the things that we are, you know, we need to get for them? But did we also discuss, hey, this therapy is intensive, like 25 to 40 hours is could be the solution. You know, this could be what ABA therapy looks for you and setting the tone for someone very early in the process so that, you know, six, eight weeks down the line, they're not finding out they need to do 30 hours and they're like, that doesn't work for me. So making sure those conversations are taking place mm -hmm. and, you know, the details about therapy, but with that same like care of wanting to help the family. <laughs> We're at 10 months. That's a pretty significant time already. Is there a story about a family or a moment, you know, in this journey so far that's kind so of like touching? That that's very recent is um, a, a woman who has a, a child. Her daughter's 15 and she has had challenges um, for a very, very long period of time. And she has been fighting tooth and nail in some scenarios. Um, she's in the military and has moved a lot and had different doctors and she was just diagnosed last year with autism and she has come to the realization of, Hey, I have, you know, I've known this for a period of time. And that's so difficult for a parent to go through, like trying to help their child and overcome some of the mm. behaviors and being, you know, misdiagnosed. I'm sure that it happens, you know, quite often. Um, and, you know, she just is looking for someone to help. And she's really received the runaround from um, another organization that she was working with. And she came through, you know, she came through our call center and our call center line called in just our main number. And she just kind of laid it all on the table. And she's just like, I need help. And that is so, it's so reminiscent of some of the conversations that we have where someone is trying to do everything that they can to help their family. And they just, they've hit wall after wall after wall. And they just need someone to be able to have the conversation with them and walk them through steps and care. And that ties back into what, you know, we're 
talking about what this team needs to have and what they're so amazing at is understanding how do you move someone to the next step and really truly impact them. Um, you know, we're here to you know support the organization and prepare people for um, you know to open cases and be successful and grow, um, and and that naturally is coming out of the, you know, that want to help people. And the more that we can make sure that we're helping people, the better, you know, the better it is for that family. And the, you know, the more it's impactful for the organization. Mm. So along these lines, this conversation has made me think about a deficit that our children with autism that we serve have and it's perspective taking. It's, it's a skill that everyone learns and they're developed, you learn in your development. You're not born to be able to take the perspective of others. It's a skill that we develop um, mm -hmm. as we become more social beings, but it's often a deficit and, and um, it plays the part in empathy. It plays the part in understanding like social dynamics. And it's a, it's a, it's a language rich deficit where like, there's a lot of things that have to go at play. And I was actually, I just pulled a book. I have a book right here called the self and perspective taking powerful book in our, in our science. And it's a lot, there's a lot of research actually on how to actually develop. And so, you know, across all of our clients, this is a deficit that we're working on, but it's critical because we're social beings and a core deficit of, of autism is socialization. And, you know, we can go about in our work, teaching rules. When you see someone, you open a door for them, or when you see someone out in the playground, you should say hi to them. And um, if you, you know, you want to be nice and all these different rules that we have, but um, those are somewhat hollow if, if you lack the ability to take the perspective of others. And so early in our work, you know, that may look like, look at like, you know, if I show you um, this book and on one side it's white, on one side it's blue, and I ask you, you know, what color do I see? Right. That's actually a question that, you know, some of our, our clients, many of our clients would struggle to answer. Mm -hmm. um, they'll tell you what they see. Right. Um, and while that's a basic concrete example, if, if you can't do that, you know, you get into like, how do you think these people feel? Um, it's a challenge. And so I only bring that up for a couple of things. One we were talking about, but two, I think, uh, um, for any people that are listening that don't have uh, children with autism, uh, perspective taking is also needed because a lot of our families feel quite judged, right? So you go out into the store and you have one of your children that has autism is acting out, is doing something that they're not aware of the environment they're in and they're acting in their own little bubble and parents feel a lot of shame about it, right? And I think as a as a society, we need to be able to take the perspective of those families that are like coming to you, begging and help for help, and like somewhat times desperate for help. Um, and they're trying to do everything they can. And the last thing that we should do when we're out in public is judge anyone because we don't know their perspective, right? Just thought <laughs> I'd throw out that little PSA I, for I think anyone listening. That's such a key point, and it's people aren't as gracious with others as, you know, especially in a public setting, they aren't as gracious as with others as they could be. And the more people know, and the more that they are, the more they're understanding of a process or even trying to understand is it's just so much better for society. Right. And it, you know, it's, 
perspective taking, it comes in a lot of forms and trying to, I think it's human nature to want to solve a problem for someone who's feeling pain. Um, And that often Mm -hmm. comes out as an, um, as a, well, here's, here's a reason that's okay. Um, There's a video that I've used for years um, by like through RSA animate that's Brene Brown, where she, it's just a cartoon of one of her discussions of empathy versus sympathy. And it's, um, it's quite, you know, humorous where it's, you know, someone saying that, you know, they couldn't believe they were getting a divorce and someone's responses at least. Well, that's not a proper response to someone. They're not looking for a solution. They want you to understand not necessarily what they're going through, but they want you to understand that they're having pain and it's okay that you don't understand that you don't understand that, but you have to, you know, that's what the definition of empathy, right? Being able to, you don't have to fully understand Mm -hmm. the perspective, but you also have to understand that they're going through a difficult time. And I think that translates a lot into what we do as an organization. For sure. I also bring it up because oftentimes when people think of behavior analysts or applied behavior analysis, they think about like, you know, they have like a set mindset of what those behaviors are that we work on. And I'm sure perspective taking Mm -hmm. is not something that might come to mind when they think about ABA. And there's a whole set of like, some people would call cognitive types of skill sets that uh, behavior analysts are trained into doing. And uh, perspective taking is, is one where our, our latest research in the last decade is pretty rich with interventions and, and approaches to try to teach and establish perspective taking. All right. So my last question, I think it's pretty obvious, um, but what's your why? Like what, what drives you professionally? And it seems like there's a, you know, a string that connects <laughs> uh, most of your jobs. I, but the thing that drives me is I like to do work that is like both creative and challenging and through that something that impacts people. Um, I very much, my transition from like a career in sales to working in education was like a light bulb moment for me where I, you know, it was like, I can use this skill set of talking to people, but I can truly impact someone in how the, like how they're, what their, their trajectory is and the path that they're following and that connection and ability to truly, you know, help someone is my number one motivator and driver. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking the time with me, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take care. And that concludes another episode of us telling the stories of our incredible staff and their work to support our powerful mission. Till next week, do wonders.